eyes upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want to preach a little while on the liberty of the spirit. The liberty of the spirit. Could you lift your hands and ask the Lord to help us in this place, Father, we stand today in great need of your spirit and of your anointing. I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts. Lord, there are still those that perhaps would be held captive. And it is the desire and the will of the spirit that they walk out of here in total liberty. I thank you for what you're going to do in this place. And I'm going to give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Lord bless you. If we look at the state of humanity in its current condition, if there was no hope, it would leave us in utter dismay because it is inbred in the hearts and the minds of people to do evil and live in a carnal nature. Bible says that a carnal mind is enmity against the Lord. It's hatred against the things of God, against the ways of God, against the righteousness of God. If left to one's flesh, your flesh doesn't want to go to church. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. Your flesh does not want to walk in ways that are right if we are governed by our carnal mind. It takes the Holy Ghost. It takes the power of God to enable a person to rise above their flesh, to rise above the things that their carnal mind wants to do. God did not design a carnal mind. God did not design sickness. God did not design sin. But there's something about humanity that it's constantly searching and wanting that which it can't have. If you look at the Garden of Eden, I don't necessarily know how big it was. But I would say it was of a decent size. But God never told them that they had to live in the garden for all of their life. Never. It said he put them there, but he never told them they had to stay there. Which if you think about it, there's only two people on the earth, Adam and Eve. They could have went anywhere on the face of the earth. They could have had anything 
that they wanted. God did not place limitations on them geographically. And while they were in paradise or the Garden of Eden, you have to remember that the world was that they lived in was before they fell, which meant that it was not plagued with thorns and thistles. And the earth yielded forth its best so they could have went anywhere in the world. But that flesh craved something it couldn't have. That flesh wanted the one thing. They lost sight of everything they could have and focused on the one thing that they were not supposed to have. And when they partook of that one thing they were not supposed to have, it changed everything. That serpent was evidently was a, 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 a animal that had legs and almost like a larger uh, uh, lizard. Here, I'm gonna throw something at you here. I'm fixing to you. Hold on back there. I'm coming with some heat. I can near about prove to you that the animals could talk in the garden. Because if a serpent would have just shown up out of nowhere and started talking, wouldn't it bother you? Wouldn't it catch you off guard? Much less have a conversation with it. Giving you something to think about. It's not a heaven or hell issue. It's just something to think about. Because if I'd have been in the garden and all of a sudden an animal just come and started talking to me, we'd had problems. I would have forgot about the fruit. I would have forgot about the tree. I'd have been focusing on how's this animal talking to me right now. So evidently it didn't, it wasn't something that was abnormal. Evidently something like this possibly have maybe occurred at some point. Nonetheless, notwithstanding. Here, they focused on what they couldn't have. And it led to the downfall. And the serpent was cursed and had to, had to go on its belly. And the woman's curse was that childbearing would be a painful event, which tells me that God originally designed childbearing to be a pleasant event. And so the curse was that the pleasure would be removed and be replaced by pain. And that the man's curse was that he was going to have to work by the sweat of his brow to get the earth to yield forth its fruit, which tells me that apparently God designed it to yield forth its best without it being a laborious process. That wasn't the worst. They could have handled the childbirth. They could have handled having, having to, to plow the ground and to, and to work to get the earth to yield forth its best. But there was something that changed. And that was the nature of humanity changed. And death and sickness entered the picture when God did not design sickness and he did not design death. And so the redemptive process began when that, when that 
animal was killed and God provided a covering. It was not necessarily that God needed the hide, but God was starting something, a process whereby blood would begin to be shed and that blood was going to be symbolic. It was going to be a covering for your sin. That's why all throughout the Old Testament, you cannot read it without seeing blood dropping somewhere. It wasn't about a hide. It was about the blood. It was about a covering. It was about liberty. It was about setting a people free that were in bondage to sin. Because they swapped masters and God was no longer the master. Satan was the master of humanity. Satan controlled destinies. Satan influenced people. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see people who were in spiritual bondage. People who were every year being met with their sin because it was not remitted. It was simply rolled back. And so when Jesus came on the scene, he, the Bible said he went to the house of the Lord as was his custom. Let me pause right there and tell you, it's still a good custom to go to the house of the Lord on the Sabbath day. I applaud you on this Sunday because you made the trip to the house of the Lord. You say, I don't have to go to church to be saved. I'm not gonna argue that point, but I will say this. You have a whole lot better chance of being saved when you make the trip to the house of the Lord and you worship with people of like precious faith. The Bible says that we ought not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Hey, there's people that say, well, I get my church on the internet. I give on the internet. I think COVID proved to us that having church online is not the same as having church in the house. But something happens when you get in the house of God and the spirit of the Lord begins to move and you begin to move with the spirit. How many of you, come on now, I want you to be honest. How many of you during that COVID time when you had to worship for online, got up from the couch and took off running around your house. Oh, you just eat Cheetos. In pajamas. While I was up here preaching my guts out. And the singers were singing. 10 people in the building. You know, it's hard to preach when there's no response. But let me throw this at you. It's harder to worship and to get into it when there's nobody around you. Something begins to happen in the atmosphere when one or two begin to praise and two or three or four begin to, I'm gonna tell you what happens. Shackles begin to come off. Chains that bind you begin to fall and you get swept up in the current of worship and you move with the liberty of the spirit. Yeah. 
Come on, I want you to clap your hands right now. Hey, I feel something building in the Holy Ghost right now. Jesus stood up in that temple and got that book of Isaiah and went straight to that verse where he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. But he said, I've come to set at liberty them that are bruised. What they did not realize that day was that there was a redeemer in their midst and he was looking at the chains that sin had placed around them and he knew there was coming a day when the Holy Ghost was going to come and it was going to set people free that had been bound for, for centuries. And when the Holy Ghost came, it was Peter that stood up and said, These men are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. The key word is that, because here we find Paul saying, Now the Lord is that spirit. What spirit? The Holy Ghost, the Redeemer, the Comforter, the Chain Breaker. And when you get in the presence of God, there is liberty. There is liberty. I want somebody to shout liberty. Liberty. Hey, I feel it in this place right now. I want you to clap your hands. There's somebody going to leave out of here different than when you came. There's somebody that's going to step in the river tonight. There's somebody going to get the liberty of the Holy Ghost tonight. Somebody's going to move beyond your comfort zone. Hey, I love watching new people get the Holy Ghost because they experience something they've never had before. When they get the Holy Ghost, you don't have to ask them to worship. You don't have to ask them to run the aisle. They've been liberated. The chains and the weight have fallen off of them. And it's the greatest thing they've ever experienced before. Do you remember when you got the Holy Ghost? Do you remember how bright the blue sky was? Do you remember how bright the, the stars twinkled? Because you walked out of there a free person in God? Some of you need to get it again. Brother Frederick texted me one of the first few services. This is a joke, okay, so don't, don't sit here and stone me. He said, I need you to point out anybody who needs the Holy Ghost tonight, and I just sent back all of them. Pray them all through. You get the whole church prayed through, then you'll pray new babies through. You can't expect new babies to be born in a church 
in a delivery room that's contaminated. How do you keep contamination out? You get the Holy Ghost flowing. You know, there's a reason the Bible calls it a river of living water. There's a creek behind my house. And one thing I've learned about a creek, it's kind of like a river when the water's always flowing. It'll bring stuff in and then it'll move it on out. There may be a whole tree laying back there. Well, I, I didn't go cut it because I knew you give it long enough that water's going to rise and it's going to push that tree right on out. And the whole purpose of the Holy Ghost serving as a river is that when things settle in your heart, it takes the Holy Ghost to flow. And when that Holy Ghost is flowing, it'll push that stuff right on out of your heart. It'll move that stuff out of your life that doesn't need to be there. But when the Holy Ghost isn't flowing, that stuff will settle in your heart. who is rich in mercy. I could preach a whole subject, a whole sermon off of the first two words of that verse, but God. Because if you look at your life, you could say I was lost, I was hopeless, and I was without help. God. My family gave up on me. My friends turned their back on me. I didn't have nowhere to go but God. I was broke. I was busted. I was disgusted but God. I was down on my luck but God. I was miserable in my life but God. Two words that changed your life. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there he is liberty. We tell you where we're at. Spiritual liberty today is literally bound by public opinion. Because there was a day, Brother Jamie, I'm not an old man, but I remember stepping over grown men laid out laughing in the Holy Ghost. I remember laying under the fifth pew all the way on that side and I would watch as bobby pins just scattered all over the aisles as ladies just got lost in the spirit. You know what I'm talking about. I, I, could, I could tell you who was going to do the helicopter. I could tell you who was going to do the Indian war hoop. I could tell you who was going to do what kind of shout. And when it happened, you just better move. You better just take cover because they was, they was just getting in the spirit. You know what they were doing? They didn't care what anybody thought about them. They didn't care what somebody was going to say about them. All they knew was I got to get in the spirit. I got to get in the spirit. I can't do this thing in my flesh. I got to get in the spirit. You know what we got to have in this church? We got to have the liberty of the spirit. Because if you take that, then we don't have anything. Touch your neighbor and say, get in the spirit. It's not something planned. It's not something predetermined. It's the spirit that moves. And when the spirit moves, you gotta move with it. 
Anybody ever felt the moving of the Spirit at the most inopportune time? It happens to everybody. That's God's way of testing you. Whether you're going to be in the flesh or you're going to get in the Spirit. Let me tell you, what's happening around you is not as important as what's happening within you. And if you quench the Spirit, it won't be long before you can't feel the Spirit. The Bible says, quench not the Spirit. Now, I could get up here. There's times I preach mad, and there's times I preach anointed. I think I get more done mad than I do anointed at times. But I could get up here and I'd start telling people to run. And you'd do it out of obedience, but you wouldn't do it out of desire. Hey, I know, I know what candy stick to get on. I've been doing this long enough. I can wind this thing up tight and just turn her loose and people would go. But what good is that if you're doing it because I tell you to do it? Worship has to be birthed out of desire. That's what God's looking for. For the hour cometh that now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God's not wanting you to go through the motions. God's not wanting you to take up time. But God's wanting you to get in the spirit. God's wanting you to worship in the spirit. God's wanting you to press in the spirit. I'm going to preach until something breaks tonight because there's some of you still held captive and God's been reaching for you all night long. God's been reaching for you all night long. You got to get in the spirit. You can't do it in the flesh. You got to get in the spirit. Ladies, when's the last time you picked up Bobby Pence off the floor? When's the last time you kicked your heels off and said there's a place in God that I got to get and it's not going to happen as long as I'm worried about somebody and what they're thinking about me come on with your eyes closed I want you to do what the Holy Ghost is telling you right now with your eyes closed I just want you to begin to step in that spirit I want you to begin to step in the in the flow of the spirit Come on, nobody looking around. I want you to get in the flow right now. I want you to get in the flow right now. You've been bound too long. You've been held captive too long. You've worried what people thought about you too long. It's time to get in the spirit. It's time to get it. Come on, I want you to press. I want you to press in the spirit right now. You got to get in that spirit. You got to get in the liberty of the spirit. Hey, 
Come on, don't worry about anybody else around you right now. You got to get in the spirit. 